This is Elite Business Live, and uh, it gives me really great pleasure to see our next guest in real life. It's been a virtual couple of years, not seen enough of Sherry. Uh, what can I say? Well, an entrepreneur, uh, a an investor. Now, Sherry Kutu has indeed invested in over 60 uh, different businesses and rising. 70. 70 businesses, including Love Film and Beam and Zoopla and many others besides. But as a non-exec director, some huge companies, Pearson, the London Stock Exchange. Um, but what about as a founder, Founders for Schools? Kudos to you, Sherry, for what you've done with Founders for Schools. Workfinder as well, connecting one generation with the workforces of today and tomorrow as well. But also, uh, when I think of Sherry, I think about fingerprints on the Scale-Up Institute <laughs> on Silicon Valley comes to the UK. Um, but often invisible fingerprints, because actually, I love seeing you on stage, but you're often behind the scenes making those connections. So yes, it's an introduction, but it's also a vote of thanks from Britain's business and entrepreneurial community. Ladies and gentlemen, Sherry Kutu. Thank you. Um, speaks a man with many fingerprints uh, uh, himself. So thank you very much. It's really good to see you, see you all here today. So talking about the hybrid workforce, some things about the pandemic, these slides, which don't try to memorize them because they're gonna go very, very fast. Um, but it's really just looking at the pressures on all of us and therefore why our workforces, be they um, permanent or temporary or onboarding, why they need more help now and what we can, what we can do about it and why it sort of caused me to be a, 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 another double entrepreneur in the last, in the, during the pandemic, which is quite fun. Um, so Ollie just did this background. So up until 20 years ago, the only thing I did was being an engineer and then an entrepreneur. And I ran things as a, as a chief executive um, and I sold them. I sold one to Euromoney and then I floated the next one on the London Stock Exchange. I then went plural because that corresponded to the same time when I was having three children and getting married and I needed, a, I needed some balance. So this is 20 years potted history of what a plural person looks like. Um, and my mind is taking me into some policy stuff, some finance stuff, Raspberry Pi, which you mentioned here, um, and some, some market stuff. Um, and all of them really kind of around how do we make it easy for people to start up companies and run them and grow them? Um, so, and that very much interacts with the, with the hybrid workforce is now one of the best things, one of the best tools that we have. But what pressures brought all of this, um, brought all of this about? These are some of the companies that I'm currently, um, currently affiliated with because I clearly have an attention deficit uh, disorder of some, of some nature, um, which many entrepreneurs do. So over the last 20 years, seen the pace of technology accelerating faster and faster and faster. Um, and we've seen huge amounts of new jobs arise and we've also seen huge numbers of other jobs disappear. Um, and we've seen lots and lots and lots of automation. Automation is good, but it's actually had a deleterious effect on onboarding new people. And it's been pretty stressful to the inventory of people who are working in um, both large companies and, and small companies. So what can we do about that? This looks here at if you don't have much education, you're likely to be automated. How do we feel about that as a society? Um, probably not very good. Um, these are some of the jobs here that are growing and expanding really rapidly. Um, you can see health professors, anybody who understands science, you know, we've got to actually solve this climate crisis. Um, 
and many other, many other things. And these are some of the skills that you see in the ascendant. On the other hand, you see some skills that are definitely not in the ascendant. So as parents, we should not be counseling the same thing that we used to counsel was good to do, because what used to be good to do 5, 10, 15 years ago is definitely not the good thing to counsel anybody for. And if you're in education and you're a teacher, you're a professor, you really shouldn't be talking about what was good to study or what was good to think about or what was good to navigate towards um, anymore. Um, we look at 100% of the net new jobs coming from companies that didn't exist five years ago. How cool is that? Uh, well, but do we often talk about companies that existed a lot longer than five years ago? But if 100% of the net new jobs are coming from the new ones, which are the companies we should be talking about? Um, and which are the companies we should be focusing on? Be we a media? Be we a university? if we're a parent, um, whoever we happen to be, who should we be focusing on? I love this stat. So if you look at all the new jobs that are created every, every week, 4,500 are created by companies that didn't exist before, and that's three times more than the FTSE 100. But if we did an analysis of how much people were talking about, they would be talking about the FTSE 100, and they wouldn't really be talking about startups. Um, and hence this, this audience. Um, looking at, well, what can you do? Well, skills and talent, Ollie, as you know, bringing, and there's two aspects here. There's bringing people into your companies, really important. But, and this is one of the things that the pandemic brought to all of our attentions. What do we do for the people that work in our existing workforces? I've been fascinated with my sort of, uh, career, sometimes in big companies and sometimes in small companies. In the large companies, on average, we expend between five and seven thousand pounds per person on upskilling them in digital skills so they can do their job. If you look at the 70% of people who work in small and medium-sized companies, um, the average spend per capita there is between 50 and 150 pounds. So the digital divide of skills that people have is actually going wider and wider and wider. And that sits pretty uncomfortably. It also makes it pretty hard to actually acquire someone or hire someone from a, well, it's highly attractive to hire someone from a large company into a small company that's growing, um, although they usually have some sort of culture shock, um, which you need to address. And they often have a mindset shock because the mindset of a, a stable organization yeah, stable or shrinking. I, sometimes I say a big shrinking organization where everybody is miserable. That mindset is very different. Sorry, I'm being provocative. Um, uh, is very different from a, a go, go, go. Um, also slightly stash, uh, sort of uh, other one. So scale-ups are companies that are growing at 20% per annum, either in turnover or in headcount, and they have been doing so for three years. Um, and they're really quite stressed because they can't really hire someone from a large company, and they can't really find people from university grads, and 82% of them, so the vast majority, are having an issue onboarding talent. We've got a whole lot of open positions right now, and those positions are increasing. Um, but they're only increasing, they're increasing because people are graduating from school and university without the right skills. So what are we going to do about that? And how do you do that? You see some, some skills, um, you've seen in the last three years, an 8,000% increase in the demand for some skills from both large and small companies. That's kind of, you know, Stress, stressful. Um, and how are we going to work? Our old institutions, otherwise known as universities and schools, they can't really adapt that fast. They can adapt pretty fast, but 8,000% in three years is faster and creates quite a lot of stress in the system. And stress for an entrepreneur is opportunity. Um, so 
it's kind of actually good at the end of the day, um, but there's some d extreme discomfort for some period of time. Um, you've seen coding and you've seen all sorts of approaches to making sure that people have this new important language. Sometimes you've got coding schools, sometimes you've got Coursera, you've got FutureLearn, you've got a whole bunch of ways and you've got other, you know, you can just go onto YouTube and you can download things and learn how to code. And this is really helpful when you can th consider you're trying to slam shut an 8,000% increase in a skills deficit amongst, uh, amongst other things. Um, I love this slide, and this is from Pearson, which is again one of my um, one of my employers. Um, they asked the question of how do you resolve this skills mismatch, um, and the answers are different depending on where people are residing who answer them. So in the U.S., what you can see is only by hiring. They think that only by hiring is the only way you can resolve that. Um, so I'll just go over here. Um, they think mainly by hiring, or they think you know upskill the people who are working for you. Good. Um, in Europe, there's not even an only by hiring line um, because they have to upskill. Now, you in a large company note that you have to upskill when you see people who are really stressed um, because they can't do their job, because they're being asked to do something every day that maybe they don't know how to do because your own customers themselves are changing. Um, and again, that has brought about the rise of the hybrid, um, the hybrid workforce. I'm not going to sort of put on here, but again, Career, you know, what you study in school and university doesn't really matter any longer. It doesn't matter where you're looking at it from. It doesn't really matter. Um, so it's up to the employer to upskill people because they're not going to really be upskilled in the universities. Um, again, it's all, this is not just a UK thing that I'm talking about. This happens all across the entire globe, which from an entrepreneurial point of view who likes global platforms, this is a good thing because it means that there are wonderful ways of, um, of supporting this that are good. 80% of people learn more from their little internships, part-time jobs that they have while they're studying at university. And employers want those people rather than people who got straight A's and didn't, um, ever, leave, didn't ever leave the classroom. But it's still not that easy to do that. I'm going to look here. So again, value higher education. The value of higher education is absolutely slamming down um, country by country everywhere. Um, and human skills are in the ascendant, particularly because of the last two years. Our ability to interact with people face to face, actually, it's quite terrifying to be in front of you face to face. It's easier being on Zoom, isn't it? I mean, it's dreadful being on Zoom, but actually it does become quite comfortable after, after a couple of years. Um, and so those human skills are really important. And how do you connect with people and with relationships, either your colleagues or with, or with customers in this, in this new world? Um, especially if you've got your kids running around behind you because they're not at school, because they can't be at school. And these are huge stressors that we've, we've seen. Um, and platforms have really helped, um, but they've also kind of hindered. And again, the human skills that we all have, we have them. We're not in school. We haven't learned every single lecture from a screen. Um, and we haven't been forbidden to interact with people for the last two years. My heart goes out for kids, you know, in, in sort of school and uni. And I think the damage to them has been enormous. And it's been easier to see. Um, the damage to people, millennials, who work in large companies or small companies has also been quite extreme, but very, very hard to detect, although you can now see it quite, quite, you know, to, to quite a large degree. So how do you build up your soft skills? How do you build up your seven skills? How do you upskill people um, at the rate that they need to be upskilled? 70% um, of, 
uh, young people starting their working lives don't feel they have the appropriate skills. And most of them are utterly stressed that they've never had a day of work experience in their lives. Um, and why is that? Because, you know, who did you hire for your work experience in your company? Was it your nephew? Was it your niece? Was it somebody else? And how do you feel about that? Um, is that right? Do we as a society sort of accept that? So that's some of the things that I've been ferociously focusing on. Um, stackable credentials. I think there's some wonderful solutions that have come up. So instead of needing to go offline for a year or two years or even for an executive MBA, you can now learn in your, in your free time short little stackable lessons that you can take when you want, how you want, is amazing. And you've seen the rise of things like Coursera and FutureLearn, um, and they make an enormous difference. They make an enormous difference to the individuals. They make an enormous difference, and they're an incredible resource to the companies themselves. Um, also, because of the ratings by the people who take them on whether or not they're good. It used to be a real crapshoot if you were sending off one of your employees on a course. And now, you can just see, how did other people rate that? And was it good? And you can even filter on how did people in my company rate that, that subsequently got promoted. Now that is a wonderful thing. All that historically invisible data is now visible, and it's a tool for us as employers to help um, address some of the things that we really want. So, you know, lifelong learning is here with us. You're, you're here learning today. Um, that's what we're doing. We are actually learning in an informal atmosphere. Uh, and, uh, and we need to keep on doing that. And we need to you know, do it more often because the world is changing. And we have to have little snippets. You know, we're having an hour together today. Um, maybe, uh, maybe having eight hours back to back. Or maybe you're online and you're just dipping in for this. Um, this will help you one way or the other, either in your personal or your professional life, go, go forward. Um, I'm just going to look at, um, I'm going to turn into, again, you painted me as an entrepreneur first, and I mentioned that the first 20 years I was an entrepreneur, I'm still an entrepreneur. Um, so in the, and I'm going to talk about WorkFinder and also Digital Boost, um, both of which sort of started up and came to the fore during the pandemic. Um, and what WorkFinder does is it gives candidates advice, advice on what company should they be applying to, when they get rejected from a company, because companies are getting a thousand applications for every spot, um, when they get rejected, we give them great advice about, oh, you have this skill, this skill, skill, skill. The ones they went forward to had this one and this one. Here's a course. Why don't you go take this course? It's free. Um, have a mentor. Go to this masterclass. So it takes all of the wonderful content that is out here and available in little snippets, and it turns it into recommendations to someone. So instead of a, we're really sorry to tell you that we had an outstanding response, you know, to to you know to the job that we posted. Um, too bad. Um, and I think that's actually offensive at a societal level that we just let people hang, hang or we don't give them positive. So the best thing, well, there's so many good things. So as an employer, when you turn someone down, that actually gives a gentle letdown service and a recommendation of how you, candidate, improve yourself so the next time you apply, you're successful. Um, now, people who work for these companies get really, really stressed because they've got a thousand different projects. Probably their colleagues have illnesses with COVID, or they're at home and their productivity has gone down. Um, and what do they do? So what I love about this is it gives you access to people at university for project work so that you can do what you need to do. And they are available within, you know, sort of 72 hours. You can have them working with you on Zoom. And so they're a, a resource that is really, really helpful 
for you to get your, your job done. And then if you're the employer that um, knows them on the far right-hand side, you can actually see, well, what mentoring did my employees use when they got mentored? When they took these courses, what was most interesting to them? What are the deficits that I have in my workforce and what are they using from these platforms to upskill themselves? Um, and that gives you special, I'm not going to call them weapons, but special tools that allow you to outcompete um, anybody else, um, which I think is great. The other th uh, company, and I don't think I have a slide for this, um, is Digital Boost. And this is for people who work for um, startups and scale-ups. And it's not for attracting talent, it's for progressing and supporting talent that works for you. And again, it's a platform. If you've been asked to do something that you don't know how to do, you go onto this platform and you say, oh my God, I've just been asked to do you know, SEO. I have no idea how to do SEO. Or I've just been asked to do social media. You know, I was asked, you know, did I tweet about that? <laughs> I've never tweeted. I saw Hannah ask somebody about, you know, have you been in the metaverse? Oh my God, I've never been in the metaverse. What am I going to do? Well, you go to a metaverse expert or a Google Analytics expert and you ask them. And again, this marketplace has been going since, uh, since the beginning of the, um, of the pandemic. And it's incredible. So, it's free as well because the company, the large companies, the professional services firms, they feel quite frustrated about wanting to help people in their community. This allows them in an hour or half an hour of their time to sit down with somebody who's a little bit stressed because they've never done Google Analytics, look at what report they've just got that they don't understand and say, right, it's just that, 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 this is what you should do, boom, you know, it's done. Um, the um, and it's good for both sides of the marketplace, and that's what I love about it. So the folks who are sparing a half an hour or an hour of their time feel really good that they've helped somebody um, and that they didn't have to do any prep for it because their day job is highly specialist, probably in the thing that they just <laughs> helped somebody with. And the person who they helped can move forward. And their stress levels go through the floor. And it doesn't cost them anything. Um, and technology allows you to make these markets really, really easily and on strange models, strange models where you don't have to charge. Isn't it cool that you don't have to charge for that? Um, so that's kind of fun. Um, so I'm just going to go back to competitive advantage, so macroeconomy. Um, Michael Porter, who's an old professor of mine, used to talk competitive advantage goes to nations. Um, it used to be thought that it goes to nations that um, created companies. It became clear that just the creation of a company actually had a deleterious effect on the competitive advantage of a nation, particularly during skills crises. And that's because the talent that is needed isn't in the right place at the right time. So what I like about what we're doing here is focusing on you know, competitive advantage nations, focus on scaling companies, growing companies, helping over helping the growing companies in particular overcome these horrible indignities that um, we, have to, we, are we are suffering and to support our workforces better if they're working from home or sometimes they're working from home, sometimes they're working from the office or a bit of, a bit of both. So that's kind of what I want to talk about it. So it's brought about, the pandemic has brought about, you know, not just the pandemic, but all of the innovation has brought about a very obvious move to a hybrid. The hybrid side has accelerated enormously in the last two years. And generally, I think it's good. I also think it's generally good um, for uh, you know, um, women and, uh, and other minorities. Um, but there are some stresses. Um, but we can relieve those stresses easily if we use innovation and our networks. Here's there you that. Go. Thank you, Sherry. Thank you.
Thank you. Uh, Sherry, um, well, kudos to you for reading the world's <laughs> smallest clock as well. That's uh, <laughs> from the Lego it's Village. Obsessing with it, yes. <laughs> uh, that was a little bit like drinking a pint of espresso, wasn't it? I mean, in a good way. In a good way. <laughs> um, so, one of my questions, by the way, is thank goodness I've you're never doing. Drank, I've never drank a pint of espresso. I don't think I'd want to see myself after doing that. Well, I was going to say, you might need to sit down. A pint of cider, perhaps. Well, <laughs> so, well, 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 we'll keep standing for now, but. Thank goodness you do what you do. However, um, you've done incredibly amazing things in your career. Why, why do you continue to do it? Because you didn't have to start two new organisations in a global pandemic. You could just be chilling around a kidney-shaped pool, frankly. Don't like kidney-shaped pools. Um, I like swimming in oceans and lakes. I'm definitely a swimmer. Um, I'm not quite dead yet. But don't we all exist so that we can have an impact on the world and make it a better place. Yeah. And if somebody isn't doing, if, if something that needs to be done isn't being done and you don't see anybody else doing it and you've got a really obvious solution, why wouldn't you do it? I mean, every single thing that I've started has been like that. Yeah. So if you go to, you know, work fine, it's like, it's really hard, you know, people are really stressed and there's a really obvious, simple solution. Yeah. And, you know, you know what, they know what skills they need. They know they don't have a permanent solution. Um, and there's, you know, in this country, 2.7 million young people studying at university who have those skills and who want to work 10 to 20 hours a week. How good is that? Glaring. You know, boom. Yeah. Um, and then Digital Boost is, again, well, people know stuff. I mean, how often do we have coffees? I mean, when you and I have a coffee, we're usually doing something that will allow us to solve a problem that we have. Mm -hmm. So this is just making into a digital marketplace out of the coast. You know that you can just email me and get me. Okay. But you generally also know what I, what I know. But that's quite limited. And yeah. trying to free up all of our networks yeah. so that the next day, not a week, not two weeks, because you know, if I try to get in your diary, it might take three weeks. But if we dip into a pool of tens of thousands of people and say, I need to know this because my deadline's on Friday and oh my God, it's Tuesday, I want to talk to somebody tomorrow. Yeah. And if they're not in my village or they're not in my, my support network yeah. and, and help is there, well, why just wouldn't you do it? And why right. is nobody else doing it? This, this is, by the way, isn't it, a theme of our days so far. It's imagining new communities, whether that's of your customers, whether it's of people that might be interested in joining your company. It's sort of, you know, it's unlocking those connections that weren't really there before. Well, knowing. were there, but they were invisible. Exactly. Or they were hard to access. Yeah, yeah, yeah making them. So, so b by the way, on the numbers, you talked about definition of scale up, 20% growth by turnover or headcount year on year for three years. How many companies does that equate to? In the UK, there's about 75,000 of them that fit that description. Yeah. Um, on average, they employ about 90 people, but it stretches from people who employ 10 people to, you know, you can have, an, you, you can have a company of two or 3,000 that is still growing that fast. It's a really you have powerful a product group. That's right. really excellent. It yeah. grows really, really fast. Right. So it's, um, it's not the sort of millions that we often sort of think of in this small business conversation. So, um, uh, so the millions of small, so for, if you, just on scale up, I talked about WorkFinder being mainly for scale ups, mm -hmm. also for small companies, but Digital Boost was for the 1.4 million small businesses that employ less than 10 people. Got it. No, understood. Um, and yeah. because they don't know where to turn, um, and if they can't help someone solve that problem they have with delivering that project, yeah. A, they might disappoint a customer and lose that customer and therefore possibly go out of business. Mm -hmm. But think of the stress of that 
person who's work, who chose to work for that small company for whatever reason. Maybe they had a flexible work, you know, maybe they could do it between school run. Right. Um, so this is a way of solving a really large, stressful problem um, really, really easily. Yeah, no. Um, without uh, charging. And, yeah. and creatively, right. So, so quick fire, because we're going to invite you to join our uh, panel, Sherry. Um, if you were invited or any of us were invited to go into a school this afternoon, maybe to speak to some 12-year-olds with some sort of, quotes career advice, what on earth do we say to them that doesn't stress them out? I would talk about your own background, and I'll, I'll just sort of go to the audience. How many people here are doing what you thought you would do when you were 12 right now? Hands up. Well, wow, oh, three. Oh, so three in a room. That's okay, so that, that's, you know, that's quite a small percentage. Yeah. So that will be helpful to every 12-year-old anywhere who is feeling stressed that they don't know what they want to do when they right. grow up. I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up. The same. Yeah. So, um, but people feel under enormous stress and sometimes it's parents. I mean, what actually, who here now is going to ask a 12-year-old, what do you want to do when you grow up? Do you know how much stress that does? It absolutely stresses people out. Um, but it's often the first thing. It's like, what am I going to say to this 12-year-old? Well, what do you want to do when you grow up? Mm -hmm. I don't do that any longer. Because um, I realize what it does to them when, when you ask. But, but what do you say instead? You know, what I say, I yeah. talk about what I'm doing and the problems that I want to solve. Yeah. And I think that, you know, if, we th if we're hopeful about the future, we understand that it's people like you and I, and every single child in every single school that makes the world a place that we want to live in. Mm -hmm. So I usually talk about innovation that I've seen. I might talk about, you know, a startup that's doing battery stuff and it makes it 10,000 10, times cheaper or easier to do something. Mm -hmm. And that gives me hope rather than despair about the climate crisis. Yeah. So I would, you know, I'd, I'd often talk about, do you know, I met this entrepreneur and they're doing this thing or, you know, what are you interested in? And they talk about something and then it's like, oh, have you seen this company right, real and things. what they're doing? Or, or, or the, the news flash that says 99% of companies are not large companies. Well, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and it is true. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it could be that everybody or many people in this are not working for a large company. So they might not have ever met anyone like you. And they might think that it's all like, um, I don't know, what happens in the media or, or you know, some of the TV programs. Yeah. I love working in small businesses. And it's a good place to work. And it's not a scary place to work. And it's highly supportive. So tell them about how you like working with your colleagues and how you get a buzz right. out of working. And that, that most of us get through. a buzz out of working. Totally. But if you believe the media, you would not, you, you know, they paint oh, no, a, no, it's, we're all it's trying very to trip highly each other entertaining. Up and, yeah, I know. It's I saw a sort of house, house the other day and I just thought, I would not want to work in that environment. And then, but it's a very rare environment and it's only there to entertain us. No, that is right. Although you, Laurie, might change my mind. Um, I've got two <laughs> final super quick questions. The world questions. is not filled with bosses who are like you, Laurie. No, 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 you're right. Um, um, maybe in the night manager. Now, um, <laughs> two super quick questions. If you're actually running something, Surely you can't be learning at the same time. That has to come before. As in, I'm talking about the formal, I couldn't be doing a course on the side. Is that right? I think we're all learning every single day. Um, in the broad sense. Formally, informally. Again, the some of the short courses, that I was talking about the short stackable courses. Yeah. These are often six to eight hours. Yep. And you do them in your spare time. Yep. That, that is learning. Now, if I stack all of those, if I take, you know, maybe I'm focusing on a, and again, we tie these courses together. Yep. So if it's about Google Analytics, maybe that's 10 courses and maybe I take them over a two-week period of time. 
those have stacked up into a mini credential. I've, and, um, I've, and, and by the way, I, I totally but that's how we learn. Totally we don't sit that. in a classroom to learn any longer. Right. I've seen such a change when I'm researching guests in the last five years of the number of credentials which pertain to rare, very short, sharp experiences at Stanford, at Cambridge University. You know, previously would have been years of their life. Really interesting. Or it might be a series of videos um, shot by Hannah um, with entrepreneurs about, you know, talent, perhaps. Yeah, exactly. you, you are creating content right here that will be used and used and used and used yeah. and used and used again afterwards. And that is educational content. It does help people learn. Yeah. And if you attached yourself to a Coursera or FutureLearn, you, you know, you could create, you know, you really could, you know, put it into one of those credentials that someone has. Right. Um, you, don't the need, you don't need a credential to show that you've learned, though, believe it or not. Yeah, well, that, that, that is also reassuringly true. <laughs> um, so stackable credentials. Maybe I could become the sort of Tupperware uh, champion of these sort of, uh, of that sort of look. The only problem is, Sherry, I've got another hundred questions, as I'm sure our audience have. However, can we get you to stay for the next panel? That would be very good if I get you to take a hot seat. Yep. Uh, but for now, thank you very much indeed. Sherry Kutu. Thank you.